Monday, the 16th of July. This is attempt number two at the Raptors in the Kitchen podcast because we filmed, we recorded one on Friday the 13th uh, for this week's show, which after about an hour and a half of discussion, I realised I hadn't hit record for, uh, which is why this has gone up a bit later. So like, if the conversation seems like a wee bit I know, rushed, I guess, or like like <laughs> people don't really want to repeat themselves. We're not going to pretend that what happened on Friday didn't happen. So uh, this is retreading old ground for us. I apologise. Uh, I am Paco Rodriguez, <laughs> your resident fuck-up. Uh, <laughs> I am joined by Tommy Vass, the man who knew it was new recording. I told you, I told you it was new recording. I told you oh, wait, to I, check it. Oh, you told me I it told was you twice, and you're like, no, no, it's fine. And I went... Have you checked? No, it's fine. And it wasn't fine. And Neil McCulloch, a person who I admire more than Tommy because he hasn't rubbed it in my face at all. How's it going, Neil? Accidents happen, Paco. Move on. We learn from them. Exactly, mate. Exactly. Otherwise, it's fine. Yeah. Like, uh, it means we get to, you know, sit here and uh, talk about these movies that we all absolutely 100% loved the first time around. Uh, Again. So, uh, mm-hmm. Tommy, mate, do you want to start kicking us off with the news? Sure. Um, so, Joaquin Phoenix has been cast as the Joker in Todd Phillips' standalone film. Um, I'm happy with this. Again, it depends on where they're going to go with it. It's supposed to be an origin story. So, again, that, that's, that, that fills me with a bit of... Uh, Concern because the Joker's a character that I don't think should have an origin story. Um, it's better, like, kind of like when you see in the Dark Knight, he's just this force of chaos that comes in and you don't really know much about him other than he is just this guy um, who thrives on wanting to watch the world burn. And I'm, I'm fine with that. They might go the route of um, the killing joke where you do get an origin story of how the Joker became the Joker. And as much as I, I quite like that book, um, I'd much rather if um, they went the route of the standalone graphic novel, novel called The Joker by, I think it's Brian Azzarello that wrote it. Um, I recognise it. If it's, if it's an origin movie, they would not do that book. Eh? No, well, that's the thing. I, I, would, I would much rather, because the cool thing about that is it's through the eyes of another of a criminal who has been hired by the Joker's gang and the and the Joker's just come out of Arkham Asylum and kind of try to take Gotham back. So that would be interesting. But yes, they're probably not going to do it that way. Um, Who's Brian Azzarello? Why is that name familiar to me? Um, he he's did 100 Bullets. <clears throat> yeah. Right, cool. He, yeah, he I think also, I read the first two of those. All right. He also... Um, he did um, the, the Comedian's... Uh, story in Before Watchmen, Watchmen, which was shit. Which, like, to be fair, man, like, a oh, no, it wasn't the comedian's one, it was a Aussie Mandias's one. Look, the artwork in that was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, that was uh, it was Len Wein, I think, that was responsible for that one. That sounds right. Um, Jay Lee did the art on that. Mm. Uh, yeah, that Before Watchmen's thing <clears> was just <throat> a complete cash fucking, in. What was the point? Uh, yeah, I don't really have any strong feelings about this stuff. Like, I, I agree with you. The Joker stuff doesn't need an Origins movie. Mm-hmm. Joaquin Phoenix could be a good Joker. I think the other talking point was, like, what kind of Joker do we think he's going to be? Is he going to retread old ground and try and be, like, a previous performance? Or is he going to try and make his own mark? Because that seems to be the thing with the Joker, is, like, Nicholson's Joker and uh, the dude from the Adam West TV show, I've forgot the name of. Cesar Romero. Uh, and like Heath Ledger's one and Jared Leto's one are all entirely different. Yeah, like Nicholson's and Romero's one, I suppose, are kind of similar. But like, you know, like is Joaquin Phoenix going to just do a, an impersonation of one of them, or is he going to do his own thing? Well, again, no, he'll do his own. He'll do his own thing. But I think we've reached a point where there's a lot of Joker out there. Yeah, and they're all. Because they're all different enough, it's that's a spectrum now. Yeah. So it's more likely you'll get elements of all of them. 
again, it depends if it is an origin story. I mean, it might not. We might not see him become the Joker, like to, until maybe towards the end. I mean, that seems to be what's going on with the the Venom film, uh, where we're not going to actually see him become fully Venom uh, more towards the end. Um, you're going to see elements of him becoming <clears throat> Venom, but it's going to be like a process. What was he like? Is it established? Was it just kill, was it the killing joke you said was the origin thing? Yeah. Is that the one where for the majority of it is he like no? Like the they did or um, in Snyder's run uh, Year Zero. There's elements of it. Which when is it that he's got the big kind of red pill head? Sorry. When does he have like the big kind of pill looking thing on his head? Like he's just running around. Kill, killing Joke and Year Zero. Right, that is Killing Joke. Yeah, but I mean then. Uh, but he also has a completely different new origin now, where he's immortal and he's been around for most of time. Is that the Japanese one? The anime no. one? Ooh, that is DC canon. I don't like that. I don't no. like that at all. No. Um, no, that sounds shit. Um, is, is it, does it work, Neil? Have you read that? I have read that, yes. It's, it's similar to it's just this, the way they do they talk about it is it's essentially just the Raz Al Ghul thing of the oh, Lazarus right. mm, mm. but it's that kind of thing and it's kind of almost like what they've done with uh, Pennywise in it where there's you can see moments of him throughout time mm-hmm. but it's it was alright it, yeah. it was a Deus Ex Machina Essentially, right. Okay. A way to get Batman back. So. Okay, I mean, like in Tim Burton's Batman, you're offered an origin story of the Joker as well. Are you? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he falls yeah. out of the acid. He's, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Man, I forgot all about that. Yeah. What's his name in that? It's like Jack Napier. There you go. Tommy apparently is a watch Tim Burton's Batman a lot. Oh, that's the film that made me fall in love with like Batman. Like that was my first, that was my introduction to Batman. I loved it ever since. Even though don't get me wrong, having you watched Tim Burton's it. Batman recently, <laughs> that film it did not age well. Yeah, it did not. Um, but I still enjoy it. Any crap? It's oh, it's it's full of problems. But I, I I can't I can't hate that film though. I can't. It, it, it introduced me to the world of Batman, so I, I can never hate it. It's pretty daft, though. I mean, they all are in their own way. Like, Batman Forever is just fucking shite, but I still kind of like it because of my childhood. Right, are we going to move on? Have we got anything else to say about the Joker being no. Joaquin Phoenix? Nah. We barely actually spoke about anything to do with Joaquin Phoenix in this. Like, are you guys happy with that as a casting? I like Joaquin I, Phoenix. I, I'm going to be really honest, I don't care. At this point, I don't trust Warner Brothers to make good movies out of their comic book properties. Fair um, Moving on. Uh, Tomb Raider and Captain Marvel screenwriter uh, Genevieve Robertson Dewart has been hired to adapt the script for uh, Lord of Miller's next project, uh, which is called Artemis. And it is based on the novel by the Martian author Andy Weir. And the story follows an overtly smart and directionless 20-something um, is kind of chaffing at the constraints of her small town and dreaming of better life. And it just happens to be that her small town is the only city on the moon. Uh, I, I liked uh, the, the Martian. Uh, I liked Lord and Miller. Um, and again... However, you tell me it's the screenwriter of the latest Tomb Raider movie. Uh, yeah, and Captain one of the worst. One of the worst most boring scripts I have ever had the misfortune of sitting through in a long time. I think that's a bit harsh. I think that it was quite unadventurous. The, but like, the script was terrible. There was the dialogue in that film was awful. There have definitely been worse movie scripts out there. I, I seem to recall making yeah, like a, a joke the, about when you said it was like Lord and Miller's thing. Saying about, oh, it's good to see Ron Howard getting more work. Yeah, I uh, don't really know how that went down the last time. This time it's a rehashed joke. That's what the... well, it was like a joke the last time. Yeah, it was decent. <laughs> it was decent. There you go, audience. Just a, uh, just take it and merit that apparently it was actually a good joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you'll never, never get to hear in its original format. <laughs> um, yeah, there's not much else. I, I quite, I like the kind of 
you know, the, the, the wee twist of it all. It happens to be it's the only city in the moon. You're like, okay, that opens up scope uh, for some interesting visuals and interesting kind of world building with that one. So I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to it. But it's... I've not seen a Lord and Miller film that I hate yet. You know, I mean, every I like all of their everything they've done. I've really enjoyed. So, so like, other than an attempt, I don't know that first like, half hour. I saw it was pretty hard yeah, going. It was pretty bad. <laughs> but like, other than that, in like the Jump Street movies, what have they done? Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Well, that was too. good. Yeah, and the Lego yeah, okay. movie. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, they're... I'm noticing a trend. Like when they do kids movies, they turn turn out pretty good. But like a. Uh, mm-hmm. Cloudy with a Chance Meatballs 1 and 2 are both fucking great men. Um, but anyway, moving on. Um, Nathan Fillion has recently posted on social media uh, a picture of him next to the rapper Drake, uh, along with the Latin phrase, uh, Sic Parvis Magna, with the date 16th of the 7th, 18, which is today. So, I've not been on Twitter, but it's basically him teasing some form of involvement in the Uncharted series, either the game or possibly the, the adaptation. Um, but no way he's playing that role. He's too old. He, Agreed. No, 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 even that. He can't even open a fucking movie. Yeah, that's what, true. What kind of box office is Nathan Fillion going to make at the weekends? Fuck all. Yeah. Back to Serenity, I prick. Oof. Okay, that's a harsh... Well, You've I mean, got a point though, like he is not like a an A-lister. Uh, he's like a... By this, no stretch of yeah, the imagination. He's like a, this movie didn't do that great in the box office, but it's got a small cult following kind of person. Yeah, but it's it's very much like when Nathan Fillion appears in like a TV show in a, in a cameo or a film's a cameo. Like, nah, it's yeah, because cool. other brown coats go, ah, it's Nathan Fillion, mm. splendid. Yeah, yeah. You, you've got quite an annoyed air about you in general today, Neil. No. <laughs> it's, it's just because I don't feel very well. <laughs> I am not. It's, it's absolutely coming across. Yeah. I, I've got nothing against Nathan Fillion. He's a, he's a perfectly fine supporting character on a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, like, I would have said that like uh, before he got heavily involved in video game Destiny. Which I have spent a ridiculous amount of time in, and I'm now sick of hearing him. Like I'm right. sick. I'm sick of his particular brand of humour. I'm just sick of the Joss Whedon esque quips that are everywhere now. And like, you know, he was a forerunner for that, I guess, because Serenity was one of the earlier versions of that, wasn't it? Okay. I just yeah. Like he, he's also he's not going to be involved in any Uncharted game because Nolan North is like one of the the most prestigious uh, voice actors. And he is Nathan Drake in the video games. Is that, so this needs to be a movie thing. Okay. I think at um, best there'll be an Uncharted TV show if he has anything to do with it. I think what Maybe. it's actually going to be is like he has... like There was talk of him being the Nathan Drake role years ago when this originally started getting battered about. But he has now grown out of the role. He's too old. Uh, but there is another character in Uncharted called Sully who is Nathan's kind of older I would, surrogate father. I would happily have Nathan Fillion as Sully. Yeah, I, I, I can see that, be that being old. much more of a likely thing. Mm. Uh, the kind of older sidekick gentleman kind of... Aye. Essentially Woody Harrelson in the solo Star Wars movie. <laughs> like uh, pretty much that that character. You were talking about But, but then, why would you get Nathan Fillion when you could probably get Woody Harrelson? Just because his name's already been attached to this, just in the hearts and minds of people, do you know what I mean? It's like... And he isn't hated. Like, he is, as you said, he's a, a support role kind of guy. Like, plus, he probably doesn't cost as much as Woody Harrelson. I don't know. Uh, I, Woody Harrelson does a lot of stuff. I, I don't know if he probably commands a huge... Uh, well, I mean, maybe he takes pay cuts, but it's just every now and then Woody Harrelson being something, you're like, why are you in that? But, I mean, it's nice that you're in it, but that uh, seems a bit small for like the, the, the film star that you are, you know? I mean, Solo, I'm not really surprised at. I was kind of surprised. I mean, I mean Planet, the, the Planet of the Apes is a franchise, but see him as the villain, I was a bit surprised. I was like, you chose to do that? I mean, he was really good at it. That was a big movie, though. That wasn't mm. like a, a small film. Mm. I suppose. I, I don't really have anything else to say about this either, do you guys? Nah. No. Nah, again, I am not that familiar with the Uncharted games. I know something about it, but 
Um, you were saying who's like see in terms of voice acting, you're saying Nolan North. Who's the other guy that's like Troy, Troy Baker? Troy Baker. Baker. No, Nolan North was the first one that kind of really became like a household name for gamers and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, he also did the voice of Deadpool and all the animated stuff. Mm. Like all the animated stuff he was does, all Nolan North. He does several voices in Rick and Morty as well. Um, no, yeah, Nolan North is the, is the voice of the Penguin in the Arkham games. Yeah. Mm. That helps you. Uh, yeah, he got like the job pretty much ninety percent of the time until Troy Baker came across and stole his lunch money. Did Troy uh, Baker do the voice of uh, the Joker in Arkham Origins? He did. Yes, yeah, he, he did. did. Mm. He was also Joel in The Last of Us. That's right. And uh, Nolan North was David in The Last of Us. Oh, okay. Um, and they now have a YouTube channel. I take it they're pals. They're yeah, not, like, yeah, like they're not like, uh, no, like they've, got, they've got a YouTube channel together where they play old video games called like Retro something. I can't remember the name of it, mm. but like I tried to watch it and it's just really obnoxious. That the two of them seem like the biggest assholes on the planet. Oh really? Yeah, like they're that's, just that's they're, they're so fucking full of themselves. Yeah, Joey Baker always comes across the yeah. actually himself. That sucks. Oh well. Um, next piece of news: um, Neil Blomkamp is to direct uh, Robocop Returns. Uh, screenwriter Justin Rhodes is to rewrite an old script from uh, Ed Newmeyer and Michael Miner who wrote the original Verhoeven classic. Um, this is a... You were saying before it's a sequel to Robocop 2. So it's acting as if Robocop 3 and 4 never happened. I don't know if it's a sequel to Robocop 2. I think it's a sequel to Robocop. The way I, yeah, the way I read it, it sounded like a sequel to Robocop 1. Yeah. Right. So uh, it's acting as if all those other ones just didn't happen. Probably. Much like the yeah. upcoming Same way the film. Game. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I think Neil Blomkamp is a mixed bag. I'm not a fan of Chappie, but I liked Elysium and District Nine. Uh but I don't want I don't want another Robocop film. Um it's gonna happen. Uh no doubt it's CGI CG wise it'll probably look shit hot. Uh, as does... Is it is it because your precious childhood is at stake, Tommy Vance? Well it's that way. Um I just, it's not so much my precious childhood. I just can't be bothered. So I'm just like, yeah, it'll probably happen. Well, don't, don't watch it then. Yeah, I know. I don't have to watch it. He he had the same idea for a Alien as well, didn't he? Like, he was going to make a sequel to Aliens and ignore 3 and 4. Yeah. Like a... Yeah, there, there was like... There, quite, was, there, was quite, co- there was cover art that came out depicting like, oh, this is what Ripley would look like and this is what um, Hicks would look like and things like that. But it just, that never happened because again... Yeah, <clears throat> uh, you know Ridley Scott won't let that happen. That's his. So it's really odd. Again, as we said, like we recorded this on Friday the thirteenth, and well, sorry, we spoke about it Friday the thirteenth, and I forgot to record it. But like I'm kind of remembering how the conversation went on a Friday, which is just a weird thing because like I was gonna naturally bring up the fact that like I don't actually like any of Neil Blomkamp's films. I. Mm. Uh, which the last time kind of sparked a conversation about how I didn't know what apartheid was until uh, Elysium came out. But let's not get back into that this time, man. This is a second chance to to not delve down that rabbit hole and just leave folk going, what the fuck? Uh, but yeah, like I, I find him to be really ham-fisted. He didn't know what Prohibition to, was either. <laughs> when it comes to allegories and stuff, like I think that he tries to fit really meaningful themes in his films and he fails miserably at it every time. I think fails miserably is harsh. Um, I don't like any of his films. I don't like Elysium. I don't like District 9. I don't li- I've never seen Chappie but I've heard it was fucking rubbish. Chappie, the, the, the character looked great. The CGI was great. It's just the film sucked. Do you remember the bit of trivia I gave you about District 9? You did? Uh, yeah. What was it? Yeah, it was about the Halo film. Oh, I don't sound too enthused, Neil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to tell us again, Paco? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll tell, tell the news. You guys know. You guys know. So, uh, because Neil Blomkamp was uh, tied to the adaptation of the Halo movie, uh, before it got kind of scrapped there, they made some of the guns and stuff. So, when you see guns in District 9, those are actually Halo Universe guns. It's the assault rifle from Halo that is in District 9. Um, do, would you want a Halo film? No. 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 Like... The the forward into dawn like kind of web series thing they did was was okay, but like mm-hmm. that was only okay until Master Chief showed up, and then there's no way to make somebody that big like uh, not just look really stupid. I think I thought Chief looked alright. 
Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, it's a it'd be a be a weird adaptation. Um, but it, are they not wanting to do a Gears of War one? Is that not on the book? But that's there's so many of them that just yeah. people keep talking about. I actually saw an interview on uh, IGN with Jordan. What's his face? Jordan Peele. No, the guy who'd done Kong Skull Island and now has the rights to Metal Gear Solid. Jordan oh, Voight oh, Roberts. Some... Jordan Voight yeah. Roberts, is yeah. that his name? I think that's right. Yeah, that is it. Yeah. Uh, and like before that, like I, cl- I clicked on the video expecting to just be sitting there going <laughs> the entire time, but like the guy actually sounds like he knows what he's doing. Like and I'm now actually kinda optimistic about Metal Gear being a good movie. Kong Skull Island was fine. Kong yeah, it was. It was I, I really enjoyed Kong Skull Island. Actually, Skull Island. I'll, I'll go as far as to say it's probably my favourite King Kong film. Look, uh, he says, they, they're now at the point where they have handed in the script for the Metal Gear uh, story, and he's, mm-hmm. he's, he was saying things, and I realised, obviously, he would say shit like this because he's trying to fucking big it up, but he was saying that, like, even if he wasn't involved with the film, if he read that script, he'd be like, fucking hell, this is something I want to be a part of, kind of thing. Okay. Um, we've heard that sort of shit long, you know, loads of times before, but the, right. the whole interview, like, did actually seem... Right, here's a scenario, right. right? This guy sounds like he knows what he's doing. And he's up for it, and it's going to happen. Then studio interference happens, and they hire Ron Howard to do it. <laughs> What's your reaction safe? to that? <laughs> it'll be this like, Ron Howard's interpretation of Kojima storylines. I kind of want to see that. Yeah. Like, It'd be interesting. It would be a Well, it wouldn't be interesting. How, how can you safely direct that fucking Japanese nonsense? <laughs> like, like, just, it wouldn't work. It just... That would be a mess that I would fucking revel in. You'd revel in it? Would you not be like, oh see, man? I, I kind of want to see this film get made because I want to see anybody interpret that. Yeah. To see what they deem is necessary yeah. and what is the chaff to come out of it. Because it would be really, Cause... like, I remember when I was younger, I disliked, like, the goofier moments of Metal Gear and, like, yeah. I was just kind of wanted it to be, like, a more serious, militaristic kind of thing. But then, like, as I got older, I kind of realised that, like, if you take, like, the stupidness out of Metal Gear, you kind of take away its total kind of personality yeah, and stuff. Like, yeah, you take, take all the goofiness out of Metal Gear and you're just left with a, a boring military shooter like Call of Duty. Like, uh, but Do you think they keep in the scene where you hide in a locker, phone Otacon, and you jack off? That was Metal Gear 2. Well, do you think they keep that in for a sequel then? I, I severely doubt it. Do you think they keep in the really, really long ladder climb? That was Metal Gear Solid 3. So you guys are doing well, know that Metal Gear games exist, but terrible at knowing which ones are which. Uh, like, I don't know, there's like bits in Metal Gear 1 that are by far just strange as shit. Like, there's a lot of bits where they break the fourth wall and like kind of tell you stuff with your actual controller and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. uh, there's a bit where one of the enemies reads your memory card and tells you what games you've played and how often you've saved and stuff. I so I, I'm no, I don't think there's any way they could kind of get that stuff in there without essentially just making Snake into Deadpool, like you know where he talks to the audience, which I think would be kind of shitty. I I don't know. We'll see what happens with it, man. Like it cannot be as bad as the Ghost in the Shell, a live action effort. As long as they don't do that thing where they have to refer to the fact that it's based in a game like in Doom that that was in, one of the things he brought up in the interview is like he thinks that there are no good video game movies because of that fact hmm. so it's, that, like, it's like in Doom when uh, the rock's like gentlemen we've got a game yeah like as in we got a mission and you're like why alright like not the, the whole sequence where it's shot <sighs> in first person as if it is the game that's terrible yeah or like the bit in Silent Hill where she has to get a key that's dangling precariously on a broken bit of floorboard and she has to a, like, avoid a swinging electrical cable. It's like, just uh, why uh, is this in here? To, to be fair, though, Silent Hill is not the worst video game movie. It definitely isn't. It's actually like, alright. Whenever I think back to it, though, that's the bit I always think of. Where it's like, that's yeah. only in there because this is based on a video game and they felt like it had to be there. That's the ice cream van. Right. Does anyone want anything? Yeah, I'll <laughs> double nugget. Uh, but yeah, like I'm optimistic for it, but that's not what we were talking about. What were we talking about? Neil Bonkamp. Yeah, well, no, Making... I was, I was, I was just asking, how do you feel about like that Metal Gear game? But don't know. We see plenty of things. Going back to your original question of like, you know, this thing directed by Ron Howard because he's such a safe director and he's so bland. 
Uh, I heard actually listened to a different podcast today where someone described Ron Howard as flavorless ice cream. Uh, <laughs> and he's, he is exactly that. Uh, but yeah, like we we see quite often uh, Japanese interpretations of very very Western things, like a uh, Evangelion and El Shaddai are both interpretations of the Bible through like a Japanese cultural lens, and uh, they both end up being really, really interesting. So like. Maybe the reverse of that would be true. Uh, seeing something that is quite distinctly Japanese, uh, done with a, a Western mindset. No one's saying that like Kojima's very Western inspired. I don't know. The whole thing is just weird. Maybe Kurt Vimmer will come back on board. Yay! <laughs> no, he did. What was he? He did. Uh, Die another day. I on foot. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. No, he oh didn't. no! Did he not do Equilibrium? Uh, yes, he did. Which is all right. It's not great, but it's all right. Uh, did he not do? One with Milivojevich, and it was a game adaptation. Ultraviolet. Ultraviolet. Did he not do that? Ultraviolet's not a game. That's not a game. Is not? I. It looked like a game. Your face terrible. looks like a game. It, it was shite, man. Such a shite. <laughs> Who did Ion Flux or Eon Flux? Uh, I, I feel like that was somebody more well known that done that. I thought Glimmer did a game adaptation already. Was it one of the Yui Bowl ones? Well, no, because you he, would have directed it. Yeah, he's done a... Like, or is Kurt Weber not like a writer as well as a director? I th- yeah, but like you, when you you build as a project, it's all him. Like I don't think I don't think it's ever been, you know, a Kurt Vimmer film produced by Yui Bowl. Right. Who the fuck would go that? Kurt Vimmer has only directed three films in his time, mm-hmm. and none of them are video game movies. Which oh. ones? Ultraviolet Equilibrium and One Tough Bastard. I'm going to throw this one out there, man, and say that Equilibrium is actually pretty decent. Like, as uh, far as far as, like, no, really no, thinly veiled 1984 uh, copies go, hmm. like, it relies a bit too heavily on the not-so-subtle Nazi uh, iconography uh, to kind of get across just Nazis are bad, these guys are bad. But, like, other than that, like, there's some solid action sequences in it. It's and it's, like, really stylish as well, like... Yeah, I'm surprised I didn't see more films with like that gun martial arts. Gun kata? No, gun kata. Yeah. Where it's mathematically worked out uh, to minimise uh, them being in like the, the line of a, a bullet trajectory. It's science, Tommy. Oh my God. Science. Uh, yeah. Last piece of news. Uh, Jeremy Renner has been cast as Detective Twitch Williams. Uh, in the new Jamie Foxx starred Spawn reboot. So, don't know much about that character. I like Renner. Maybe is it an action-filled role? Don't know. I mean, do you care about Spawn? Not in the slightest. Even after Jamie Foxx's stellar performances, was it Electro? Electro. <laughs> uh, he wasn't the worst thing about that film. It, I mean, he was up he's there. He's up there, man. But like, he's terrible in that. He at least had presence when he was electro. Like there was like moments when he wasn't he speaking where he actually managed to look threatening. No, he didn't. No, yeah, he did. <laughs> I disagree. He also materialised an entire rubber suit out of nowhere. So there was that. Oh yeah. And mind when is is it the dubstep happening? Yeah, he like uh, he uh, does the it's a bit of spider happen. tune through the fucking whatever that place is. The power grid that he designed but didn't get the credit for. He was a wronged man. And the only hate reason he hates Spider-Man is because he doesn't remember him. Yeah. It's so... Oh, fucking movie sucks, man. The soundtrack's magnificent, but the film's shite. <clears throat> um, that is the last piece of news, gents. Much like, much like our the... original ghost recording of this, mm-hmm. Tommy has forgotten more news. Oh, yeah, this so, happened before. the... Marvel's Black Widow movie has found its director. Uh, Australian director Kate Shortland, best known for female-led movies Lore and Berlin Syndrome, will be taking the reins for that. Also, in light of the controversy, Scarlett Johansson has pulled out of a Robin Tug. What was Robin Tug which, again? It was it's the... the film in which she would have played a trans man. Right. Which, like, she hadn't pulled out of that the last time had she even recorded no I've just added that one yeah Yeah. but like we did speak about that on Friday didn't we yeah no like Friday was it last week the Friday was the week before yeah well technically Friday was last week but I mean the week before 
Um, I'm sure we talked about that. Um, the previous episode. Okay. Yes. I mean, I, I guess at this point, like you, the point you brought up last week was a: uh, Are there any kind of trans actors who would have kind of pulled in the same, you know, amount, amount of audience for you yeah, for the box office and stuff? I guess now that she was attached to it and has left, it now has recognition that it wouldn't have had before. So, like, maybe. You know, maybe yeah. now it could fair play to it if could do now it gets a representation. Yeah, I would be interested to see though if they do cast a trans actor in it, how much of its original budget it gets to keep. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, Scarlett Johansson, the only name that was cast in that film. So. Yeah, at the moment, as far as I know. Right. Okay. As far as I know. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Do you have any more news, Neil? Uh, no. Uh, no, no. Okay. No. Alright. Uh, well, let's delve into the old films. So, we, me and Neil watched Skyscraper. But uh, I, I love the complete lack of enthusiasm about everybody here because we went through all this <laughs> shit already. Me and Neil will talk about that last because there's loads to talk about that. Uh, you can talk about The Incredibles. Was there not more? Was there not? Did you guys not watch like Netflix films or something? I, I seem uh, to recall the I, I, watched, I watched Blade of the Immortal. Yeah. Uh, by t- a film by director Takashi Miike, who is famous for Ichi the Killer, Gozu, and generally being kind of the off-the-wall kind of Japanese director. By off-the-wall generally means overrated. However, Blade of the Mortal was actually quite good. I quite enjoyed it. Uh, it's based on a manga by Hiroki Samura that was published in the States and Britain by Dark Horse. Um, it's about a guy who is a, he's a policeman and he's, sent, he's made to kill this guy by his superiors. And it turns out he's superior's uh, this corrupt polis, so they try and kill him off. Right, you uh, keep using the word polis as if it's modern day, but he's like, this is set in feudal Japan, isn't it? Yeah, okay, so he's a constable then. That's what they call him, a constable. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, just like saying polis and stuff makes it sound like it's modern day. Like, so, I just know. saying. Just I, I didn't have a problem with it, Neil, please continue. Right. Okay, he's feudal Japan polis. I'm the sure. police have existed for a long time, Bago. Uh, Much okay. the same day that apartheid existed. <laughs> I, I was just trying to clarify and for the fucking listeners that this past. was not a contemporary film, that it was a period piece. Neil. Well, if you would let me continue my discussion about this, I would have got there. Because my next point would have been he then, he then during his escape, in which he has his sister who is in shock, comes across bounty hunters, all of which engage in a samurai sword fight with this guy in order to claim his head. So he fights off the hundred guys, but in the process his sister gets killed. Then this mad mad witch woman comes along, puts these worms into one of his wounds and goes, these are blood worms, you will now live forever. And he does. He is now immortal. Uh, this this sounds like you're explaining a lot of the plot, but this is like the start of the film. That, right? that, this is yeah. this is the opening scenes. Yeah. Um, so he's immortal. Fair play. Can take a lot of damage. Can be killed. So this leads to him being hired by a little girl whose family has been murdered by a rogue uh, sword fighting school who wants to take over Japan, uh, and. It's about the quest for the girl's revenge. So, well, I enjoyed it. It's really schlocky. Um, some of the acting is maybe a wee bit dodgy in places, but I don't know how much of that is that it's the, the kind of cultural bar- culture barrier. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of kind of starry-eyed performances. Um would you describe it as intense? Intense, bordering on, it's kind of funny. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, is this set modern day? 
No, no, no. Pass to me. Very The the it's really gory, which if you've seen Takashi Miki film, Schlocky. you kind of come to expect. Mm. Uh, it's schlocky gore. The action scenes are are pretty good. Um, like the whole way through this film, like. Um, Given we talked about this last week, I can't actually remember the character's name, but the immortal samurai, everybody kind of treats them of, oh, you're this amazing immortal samurai. You're like the best. He gets his arse handed to him so all the time. Like he's, like most of his fights go chib, chib, chib. Oh, fuck. He would normally be dead, mm. but because he's immortal, he just so happens to get the upper hand that way. I mean, like, so he's, he's no there's the two, two things with that, though. Like, one is that maybe because he knows that he can't be killed, like, he's just become a wee bit sloppy. And he, secondly, is like, from a film point of view, like, you kind of, his distinctive trait is that he cannot be killed. Yeah. So you kind of need to show that. So is he, this is like the, so you say he's a shit immortal, so he's, he's no Connor McLeod, you know? This is no, the. What, what I'm saying is he's a shit samurai. <laughs> what's the what's the term just... like the the wharf effect the thing where like in Star Trek the Next Generation to a a shortcut like a, a lazy writing technique to make somebody seem like a badass was beat up Worf because they big him up as a badass but it ah. just it just made Worf look like a fucking absolute weakling so and, like it, that, and incompetent at his job. It's that whole thing like in a. You know, they, they need to highlight the fact that he's immortal by getting him in a situation where he would normally die, but, like, they also big him up as being this amazing guy. See, when folk trespass onto the, uh, the Enterprise, I mean, what does he do to being a security guard? You know, does he, he usually, does he, does he huckle them into the, the jail, or does I mean, he, like, he, usually he just, and say, get off? He usually just runs at them and goes to take a swing and then gets his ass handed to him. Like, that is 90% of what Worf does. Like, you would think... I'm pretty sure he's like one of the only bridge crew that actually has a phaser on him at any given time, and you never see him use it, <laughs> like ever. Wow, not the Klingon way. Yeah, surely so, we have a battle because it's not fucking Federation standard. It's like saying, like, why the fuck do the police in uh, Scotland not have a fucking ceremonial sword? Oh, hey, Christ's sake. Jesus. Just ask you, man. It's part of his culture. It's... Use your brain, Tommy. It's science fiction. <laughs> <laughs> so so I played the demo. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, um, if you like samurai movies, which are kind of dumb and schlocky, Give it a go. It's it's probably worth your hour and a half. Okay. I enjoyed it. I thought it had a good laugh at it in tight at places. I enjoyed the violence. Um, the fight. There's a, a hundred man fight scene at the start. There's a three hundred man fight scene at the end. There's loads of chibbing cunts in between. <laughs> it's yeah, it's good. It's a good laugh. Okay, we've got your DVD copy of it, so like I will probably get that watched at some point because it has been on my radar for a long time. Hmm. Uh, is this the same guy who made Versus? No, no. The guy that made, made Versus is the guy that did Twin Snakes. Yeah, yeah. Um, is Ichi the Killer any good? It's violent. I, I don't particularly think it's that good a film, but... Like, I would say I was I'm not... Sure there's many hipsters out there going, you did it. Yeah. <laughs> I would say I was not a, like a squeamish person before watching Each of the Killer, and after watching it now I kind of am squeamish. Like is there's, it, is there's there a bits... bit where like somebody gets poured like is it molten like hot hot oil? They pour, oh. like, like they they show you someone like throwing a bit of shrimp into it and it just fucking boiling away, and then like the guy is suspended in the middle of the room on hooks mm. that are through his skin, and they throw the hot oil just over his back. But that's not even the worst bit. Like, the bit that really got to me was, like, there's a bit where Ichi, like, has a guy kind of pinned down and just really slowly forces metal needles through his teeth. Fuck. Uh, and that was the bit I, where I was, I like... Go, I go the other way on it, where I feel it's extreme for the sake of being extreme and to the point where it loses all meaning. Yeah, it just becomes, like, kind of comedy. Yeah, I I wouldn't say that was what I got from it. Like I, I genuinely fucking just really did not like the bit with the needles in the teeth. I, I remember I, I think I, the, I remember the 
the time where I seen you properly lose your fucking shit. Did uh, somebody do an Achilles tendon it, it, bench? No, it was, it was two. It was two films. One was uh, shit. It was like Jackass two or three, where he had to drink the horse. The jizz. horse jizz. I, that is fucking disgusting. <laughs> you were fucking like you were losing your shit, man. You were like, like Stephen fucking man. Like, in a state of panic. Like, see, even just thinking on it just makes me fucking feel nauseous. Like, never mean watching them actually drink horses. Oh, my fucking God, man. See, I think, I think for me, like, it's the two extremes of Takeshi Miyake is E.T. the Killer, where, for me, the gore lost any kind of meaning and it was just there as, here's a frivolous show, to audition where you get the bit where she's got the piano wire and takes off his feet. I've that, not seen it yet, by the way. It's far more grim than anything in each of the color. I think auditions well overrated. I've watched that. I, I, like, like, I like auditions. Right. I, I, I like audition, but it's overrated by let's see by the kind of people who will uh, eulogize the works of the Kashimike. Like again, I just I just get told it's like, man, it's dead disturbing and it's really good, and I was <laughs> a bit underwhelmed uh, when I watched it. I was like, eh. the the second this time I seen Paco lose his shit was when we were watching Antichrist. Oh no, don't man! Why are you making me relive these? That was fucking <laughs> hell, man! You were proper gagging. Those really what, what was it? The bit. sight of having to watch fucking Big Goblin do the pumping. Mm. Oh man. Yeah, that was rank. No, I, I liked the film, but it was, there were some really fucking disturbing bits in there. So that was like, one of the first times I'd watched maybe... I mean, I guess you could call it a psychological thriller. It definitely becomes that. And then watching that as like visually, as like some of these fucking scenes are, I was like, I'm quite desensitized to like horrific scenes in those kind of films. But watching that and seeing it, you're like, holy shit. I mean, we didn't really need to see that, but there we go. That's a Lars Von yeah. movie for you. So like... I'm not sure even which bit I find freakier in Antichrist. The bit where she cuts her own clit off with a pair of rusty scissors and it shows you the fucking close-up of that happening or the bit where she's hit him in the dick with a gigantic block of wood and then while he's unconscious, she whacks him off and he comes blood. I think it was the like, bit where the clit gets cut off I see new proper fucking guy. They, they are both pretty bad. Like I think the coming blood one is the one that stuck with me the longest. I just remember, like, when the, the, the cutting off the clip bit was the lassie behind us went, shit the bed. <laughs> that was that fucking movie, man. Like, because even without that total graphic shit and it, like, all the bit with the, the creepy, like, decaying fox in the woods and stuff was all, like, you know, it was quite creepy as it was, man. It didn't need that total body horror shit at the end, man. Yeah, it was, it was just up. too much. No, it was pretty fucked up. Um, so, do you watch The Incredibles? <laughs> what a fucking... <laughs> Quite a segue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, 15 years after the original, this one picks up minutes after uh, the, the first one kind of finished. I was a huge fan of the first movie. Uh, obviously, it's a Disney-Pixar film. Like The quality of them is generally pretty, pretty high. Uh, I enjoyed it. I found it quite disappointing because like it just seemed like squandered potential mm. um, there was like a, a lot of kind of giggly kind of bits of it nothing like amazingly laugh out loud and stuff like a, a lot of the, the humour uh, was really heavily reliant on Jack Jack the baby uh, and then just kind of discovering that he has powers which I'm pretty sure they, were, they didn't discover that in the first movie yeah powers Mm-hmm. Or was that a case that we saw that in the first movie, but they didn't? Aye, but it wasn't really clarified what his powers. He, he had several abilities, but I remember thinking, "Well, we'll get to find out what Jack Jack's proper ability is." Yeah, uh, as I said, like the movie is entertaining. It is just a massive disappointment because, like, they could have utilized like the previous decades worth of Marvel Cinematic Universe movies to to kind of know what works and what doesn't work in a superhero film, and they just don't. Uh, they don't really have people kind of using their powers in tandem like that often happens once or twice in the film, but like it's all really basic stuff. 
Uh, the plot is the most predictable thing you will ever see. Like from the moment it starts, you know who the villain is. You know exactly what every plot beat's going to be. Um, it really is just kind of predictable. Yeah, uninspiring. Uninspired. Yeah, that's the word. Like I, oh, in the first one as well. Like a, a big draw of it was like the the parents kind of understood just kind of what kind of situation they were in and they were more reluctant to kind of break the law and use the powers and stuff like that. Mm. But like a Dash, like was somebody who reveled in using his powers in the first movie. Like he really enjoyed like kind of getting let loose on this island to do whatever he wanted and like finding his own boundaries, like finding out he's able to run on water and all that sort of stuff. And like he was having such a great time. Like he doesn't really do anything in this film. And like, even when he does do stuff, it like never really quite has the same charm. Uh, Nobody really kind of feels like they've, grown from the first film uh, if anything else like Mr. Incredible seems less likeable because they make him like have this kind of big jealousy streak against his wife because she's the one in the spotlight uh, she is like Elastigirl in it in Mrs. Incredible like uh, she is really good uh, as the kind of main focus of the film like it is her movie more than anyone else's um, like they obviously have a lot of parallels between her and uh, Mr. Fantastic from the Fantastic Four because you've got the same kind of stretchy abilities but like they also kind of make her partly into like Spider-Man as well where like she does like a lot of stuff where she uses her arms like her stretched out arms like the way Spider-Man would use his web to swing about the city and stuff and that all works uh, but it really is just such a a cashed in watered down version of Incredibles 1. It's still good it's still enjoyable it just isn't great it's not the, okay. it's not the sequel I had hoped for. Okay. Okay. Well, we watched, uh, me and Neil watched Skyscraper. Yes, and we did. that was exactly what he thought it was going to be. Um, it was big, it was dumb. Yep, big, dumb, fun. It's kind of enjoyable. And it's super fun. Yeah. Um, so, story is, The Rock is a former FBI uh, agent. Um... This the Hugh due to an accident um, in the field retires and then ten years later um, he is uh, uh, well he's a security um, he's, he's hired to check the new skyscraper called the Pearl which is like the tallest building in the world and he is there to check out the security measures so that the uh, can be. They can gain insurance for... Uh, sorry, the, the guy can get insured for it. And then, bing, bam, boom, terrorists take over it. And that's your film. Uh, it is oh, big. but Tommy, there is, there is so much more to it than that. Okay, go for it then. I mean, as far as the synopsis goes, though, that's pretty much it, right? That is the synopsis. Yeah. That's what I mean. I'm not saying, oh, that's it, we watched it, it was fun. We now discuss said film and... I, it, it it's exactly what I thought it'd be. Uh, the trailer gives you exactly. It it doesn't try to take itself too seriously. Um, it is a greatest hits of different action movies. There's so many moments in it where, oh, that's an homage to Rocky. That's an homage to Die Hard. That's an homage to Fu- the Fugitive. Um, and yeah, it it doesn't really. It doesn't really hide from that either. It just kind of embraces what it is. Uh, and that's what I've come to enjoy about a lot of The Rock's career, including in Rampage, which is a big, dumb, silly film. But you're like, yeah, man, it just it, it knows what it is. It's not trying to be serious. It's not trying to kind of pull the wool over your eyes and be more than what it is. It's very formulaic. It, 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 the plot beat is ev- everything that you think is going to happen does happen. I was like, oh, that guy's the villain. Oh, yeah, seen that coming. And yeah, it's a big fun check your brain at the door action movie. Uh, what do you think, Neil? What? Yeah, no, I agree with pretty much all of that. Hmm. However, I found the things that I enjoyed more about it was the way it kind of, it kind of whilst it is this big kind of dumb action movie and it kind of knows what it is, it also kind of subverts expectations a wee bit um, and the little things that it does um, and it's hard to kind of talk about that without actually spoiling scenes Well, but, but 
I'll give one example. Like, there's a scene where the terrorists have the Rock's daughter, yeah. uh, and the Rock has been given the task of opening these huge titanium blast doors yeah. so that they can get into the owner of the perils uh, yeah. kind of safe room. Yeah. Uh, to do this, the Rock has to get from one side of the building to another mm-hmm. to, to cut a wire. Yeah. But yeah. it's outside of the building. So yeah. Yeah. Earlier, yeah. earlier in the film, you get that kind of ramble, stitch yourself back up scene mm-hmm. where the rock finds duct tape. So he uses the duct tape to kind of cover the wound and stuff and goes, everything can be fixed by duct tape. Mm-hmm. At that point, I did not expect that that single throwaway line about duct tape would become so important to many scenes that would follow. Yeah. yeah. Including the scene that I've been talking about where he wraps it all around his hands and on his shoes mm. because he has to climb outside this building mm-hmm. so he can stick on the on the windows. <laughs> like just it's gets up so many little stupid dumb bits like that mm. like uh, that I actually laughed out loud at a lot of moments and it wasn't because I was going <laughs> this is shit it was because I was going <laughs> this is shit yeah how, how uh, inebriated were you I was stone cold sober see the thing is you I remember we, t- we, said, we talked when we did talk about this uh, first time round just before the rock goes out to do that little task he utters oh, the words yeah. This is stupid. No, I believe the line is, this is dumb. Yeah. And, and that, that is exactly... Yeah, that line sums up everything that that movie is trying to tell you mm-hmm. about what it's doing. And yeah. you just, by that point, you've just accepted that's what's happening. And you just go along with it. And yeah. it's fine. Yeah. Like, my only real issues with it were that everybody but The Rock's character is totally one note. And instantly yeah. forgettable. Yeah. Like even even like Neve Campbell, who's he plays his wife, mm-hmm. she's there to serve a function. And that's really all it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, your villain, he's got nothing. He's a foreign. He's a he's a European villain. Mm-hmm. You don't really get much. Of, you got a wee tiny bit of backstory to him. Yeah. But it's not enough to make you care. He's not really that charismatic. No. He, he's just there to serve a function. Yeah, he's more of even, a... Even his, he's, he's, even his wee kind of villain team, because it takes place in two sites. Mm-hmm. You, you've got the, oh, here's your European hacker guy. He's dead, he's dead up himself kind of thing. You've got, the, here's the hot Chinese girl who can do martial arts and kung fu, mm-hmm. and she's a total badass, and it's like, yeah, but who cares? You don't give me any reason to yeah, care why. The, the villain's more a henchman as well. You know, he's a thug for yeah. hire. We don't really get to see the, the, the bigger syndicate that he's working for. It's weird that in a movie that so clearly is ripping off Die Hard that they wouldn't take away but one that, of them. But that's, that's the thing. It, it rips off Die Hard to a certain degree in that it's a tall building and here's some terrorists. That's yeah. really all the Die Hard that's in it. Yeah, but like you would think that they would also take the charismatic villain aspect of that as well, because that's like the other. Try and do what have a Hans Gruber. Yeah. Mm. Do you mean like? Yeah, you... no, I agree that they probably should have had that, had that, but that probably would have cost more money to hire a better actor. Yeah. Well, not even hire a better actor. The guy who was a baddie was fine. He was fine. He just has nothing to work with. He just had nothing to work with. I take it he's like quite an unknown. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, again, I, I've, I've seen him in other stuff as well, but again, just as like a lackey or a henchman. So like on Friday when we recorded this originally, you guys had also mentioned there's like some shoehorned reason why The Rock doesn't use guns in this as well. Like that seems to be a oh, thing no, in this film. Um, right at the start, you, where you get kind of how The Rock has his accident. It's uh, when he's part of the FBI team, they, there's a hostage situation which goes wrong, which is how the rock loses his leg. And there's a fr- another throwaway line, kind of when it takes a 10-year time jump, 
where he's talking to a guy who was also on his team uh, at that point in time that he hasn't touched a gun in 10 years. And that kind of explains why... I think that's there to explain why all the action that kind of happens is all melee-based. Mm. Okay. Also, uh, we mentioned how the, yeah, the Rock um, has a prosthetic leg, and that is a gimmick that he chooses to embrace every now and then. There's times where he is running and he is hopping, and then there's times where it's as if he has both legs. Like yeah. he's running no problem, and he runs and shoves a lot of people. To, to be fair, see the fight, the, the fight he has pretty early doors, where the guy takes his leg off him quite early in the fight, uh, and he's hopping about fighting. Mm-hmm. It's actually pretty decent. Yeah, no, it's uh, a yeah, they've clearly watch. watched. Yeah, they've clearly watched the Born Supremacy for that fight because as soon as I was watching, I was like, "That's is this a wee homage to the Born movies." Uh, but yeah, that's a decent fight. Yeah. Then there's other times where he's full on running away from police <laughs> and things like that, and you're like, "Mate." Well, I mean, like even that. Well, bit the bike jumps off the crane. Yeah, the crane bit. The field. Okay. Like, yeah. One like one of the best athletes in the world wouldn't be able to do that just now. Never mind. You know, a guy to, with one to, leg. To be fair to it, and okay, this isn't really a spoiler because you know he jumps off the crane. To be fair to it, he makes it across, but he barely makes it across, yeah. and he injures himself a hell of a lot in the process. Yeah, um, like an injury which probably should have had more bearing in how he acted. I, I felt like as well. Remember but, the remember the poster for skyscraper, and you're like, folk were making jokes of. He's no way making that. It's yeah, too yeah. far away. You see the picture yeah. where the, the lines show his projection. But see in the film, it's not. As it's big not as the gap is big, but it's not as big as yeah, that. Yeah, when he makes and, it, you're like, all right, fair enough. And the window is already broken, <laughs> so he's not jumping yeah. through the window. <laughs> that was another talking point. When you look at the post, you're like, what's he going to jump into exactly? He's just yeah, going to fucking far, dunk so. off the window and then fucking down he goes. Uh, yeah, but that was your, that was your fugitive moment. Um, it was done well, but again, yeah, it's it's turn your brain off, have a have a beer I, or two. I, I, I think it's perfectly it. worth going to see. Aye, I think if you want, if you want, don't want to have to think about life for a hundred minutes. minutes. Yeah, it's a good way to not do that. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys get anything else to say about it? Uh, no, it's. Yeah. I mean, like we we spoke about all these things way more on Friday. Again, I need to apologise because, like. You know, it's all right. These things happen. I'm not apologising to you, Tommy. I'm apologising. I'm apologising to people at home, okay, who can find us at Raptors Podcast on Twitter. Like, okay, I'm at Paco UK. Tommy's at Vast Destruction. Neil is at Scorch Eight Hundred Eight. You can rate us on iTunes, on Facebook, on Twitter, on SoundCloud. Share with your friends. If you actually hear this, if I press record, that is, I guess. <laughs> Uh, so, is there anything out next week? Again. Go on, Tommy. Say it. You know you want to say Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible and I want to correct you again. <laughs> God, Neil. You tell him. I know, man. What a bitch. <laughs> uh, I believe Mamma Mia 2 is out this weekend. Here we go again. Fuck that. <laughs> Do you have any interest I will... In that, no doubt have my mother's review of that film for you next week. <laughs> Man, okay. fucking hot scoops from the streets. Big Ange, this just in. There's got to be something else. I might, I might actually record from that house and get her to sit in and have that. Get for that bit. That view. Okay, well, there you go. We've got that to look forward to. Mm-hmm. You're interested in Mamma Mia? Did you like the first one, Neil? Nah. nah. I'm not interested in it. Yeah, I didn't, didn't watch it. Every, every time I see the trailer for the second one, it makes me wish I didn't exist. I uh, yeah, okay. I didn't see the first one. I seen bits of it because I was working at a cinema at the time. But yeah, like I see the trailer and I just makes me want to eat my own fist. <clears throat> okay, and that was rather in the kitchen. Yeah.